This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. This is episode 53. In this episode, I will tell the story of Marcy Schwamm, an ultra-running pioneer who was from New York and set many world records at all sorts of distances. When I was a kid, I wanted to set a world record for hours jumping on a trampoline. Wow! My mom wouldn't let me because she didn't want news reporters coming over to the house. (laughs) Oh well. So instead, later in life, I've accomplished many running feats that no one else has done. Wow. But I don't call them world records. Nor should you. Well, let's get to the story. Marcy Schwamm, now from Massachusetts, was an ultra-running pioneer in the 1970s and early 1980s, during an era when some people still believed long-distance running was harmful to women. She won about 30 ultras and set at least five world records at all ultra distances from 50 kilometers to six days. At one point, she ran 100 miles faster than any woman had ever run that far. She was bold, brazen, with an impressive get-out-of-my-way attitude and racing style. She would take command of a race and preferred to lead rather than follow. This courageous attitude also helped to break through the stigma held against women runners of the time. She dared to be the only woman in a race. She inspired many other women to get into the sport and reach high. She set lofty goals for herself, and she was gutsy enough to go after them with wild abandon. She might soar or she might crash, but either way, it was going to be a maximum effort. Marcy Schwamm was born February 11, 1953, in New York City. Her parents were both long-time residents of the city. As a child, she lived in the Bronx and later moved to the suburbs near White Plains. Her ancestry was Polish. Her grandfather and her father were Jewish immigrants who came to the United States from Poland during the early 1900s, thankfully before World War II. They worked hard and successfully supported and raised their families in the big city. At the early age of five, she started to take up tennis and dreamed of becoming a professional tennis player. Her father commented, Marcy never walked anywhere. She was in constant motion all the time. She was also very competitive. If she lost at Monopoly as a kid, she wouldn't talk to you for a week. Come on, let's play Monopoly. Cash fun and ritzy property. In high school, she was very athletic and played basketball, softball, volleyball, field hockey, and even lacrosse. She did some running, but it was just a way to stay fit for tennis. To her, there was nothing else in the world that counted except playing tennis. Schwamm attended Indiana University of Pennsylvania, or IUP, where she eventually received a bachelor's degree in health and physical education, and later received a master's degree. At IUP, she became a member of the tennis team, excelled, and became ranked number one in the state. Schwamm started running some races in 1972 at the age of 21. She explained... As a sophomore in college in 1972, I ran a three-mile race in Pittsburgh. I was on the tennis team, and a friend on the cross-country team talked me into it. I was running to and from tennis practice, and someone dared me to run the Boston Marathon. In 1972, the Boston Marathon opened their race to women for the first time. 
Up front they run for the glory Most of the rest are just running on pride Schwamm entered the next year, in 1973, a true pioneer women's distance runner. The Boston Athletic Association set entrants a blue or pink entrant postcard, depending on their gender, and sent her a blue card with the name Mark. Apparently, they just couldn't get used to the fact that women were running marathons. She was one of only 12 women to run in 1973, finishing 4 hours, 50 minutes. And she said... I really wanted to prove that women could do these types of things. There was such a stigma about women and long-distance running that needed to be proven false, and I took that upon myself to do. But tennis was still her main sport. In college, she dominated playing both singles and doubles. Her all-time singles record at IUP was 35 wins and only one loss. After graduation in 1975, Schwamm headed to Florida during the summer to play the tennis circuit, hoping to break into the professional ranks. She did play well for a while on the Virginia Slim circuit in Brownsville, Texas, but she quit by the next year after realizing she didn't really enjoy that environment and the people she associated with and doubted that she could be highly successful. She left work as a tennis pro and moved on to be a physical education teacher and fitness instructor. In 1977, at the age of 24, Schwamm started to really concentrate on running marathons and finished a total of 12 all over the country. When she finished marathons and continued to improve her times, she realized that she wasn't exhausted at the end of her races. In the 1970s, the Amateur Athletic Union, or AAU, was governing American amateur running. Women started to be allowed to run in some marathons starting in the early 1970s. In general, women were welcome to run in American ultra-running events during the 1970s, but there were very few who entered because the door had only just opened for them to run marathons. In 1977, less than 20 women finished American ultra-running events. Because women in ultra-running was fairly new, world and American records were ready to be claimed and to be improved. After finishing about 20 marathons, Schwamm stepped up to ultras. On December 3, 1977, she competed in her first ultra at the National AAU 50K held in Central Park, New York, with 50 starters. Only one other woman ran, but she stayed ahead of her and was the first woman finisher with 4 hours and 20 minutes. Racing past the marathon mark gave her a certain excitement. The story of her victory was printed in many newspapers as reporters were fascinated that a woman was competing in ultra-distance races. When she was asked if any female long-distance runners inspired her to become interested in running ultras, Schwamm said, There were no real inspirations, and after all, there weren't many women running ultras back then. If these people existed, we probably didn't know about them. In February 1978, a very unique race was established inside the world's tallest building at the time, the Empire State Building in New York City. The race was called the Empire State Building Run-Up. Sixteen runners took part that year with three women, including Schwamm. The race was less than a quarter mile, but climbed 1,576 stairs to the 96th floor observatory. 
climbing the stairs of the famed building had a long, rich history. In 1932, the Polish Olympic skiing team bound for Lake Placid, New York, made a climb. In 1939, the Yale track team worked out on the stairs. In 1933, King Kong, of course, scaled the building, but took the exterior route. The 1978 runners wore shirts with the picture of King Kong. All the competitors had ultra-running experience, previously running at least a 50k. Schwamm had been training about 80 miles per week preparing for the event. Looking up at the huge building, she admitted that she was a bit scared. Ted Corbett, the father of American ultra-running, fired the starter pistol. Gary Murick, the eventual overall winner, surged past the others around the 10th floor. He had previously won the 1970 New York City Marathon. He reached the top of the building in 12 minutes and 32 seconds. Schwamm was the women's winner with 16 minutes and 3 seconds, placing 10th overall. The finishers received gold and silver statues of the Empire State Building. When Schwamm ran the 1978 Boston Marathon, she met some runners who were going west to run, and she was eager to join them. She was ready for a job change. I had to make a change if I was ever going to get anywhere as a runner, so I decided to head west where the climate was better and where long-distance races were more common. Let's go west. She moved out to California and chose to live in San Francisco. She earned a meager living working in a running shoe store. In 1978, Schwamm traveled to Lake Tahoe to run the longest race of her career thus far the Lake Tahoe 72-miler. In the early 1960s, relay teams would run the 72 miles around Lake Tahoe. In 1966, it was formalized into a seven-man relay race. The U.S. Olympic team set the standard in 1968 of six hours, 55 minutes. In 1970, an astonishing 42 teams competed, and the record was lowered to 6 hours 50 minutes. By 1975, ultra runners started running the course solo, and an annual race was started. 56 runners showed up, including Schwamm, for the hilly road race course on the California-Nevada border. She wanted to become the first woman ever to finish the race, and she was. She finished 10th overall, with a time of 12 hours and 1 minute. The run around Lake Tahoe got me hooked and I gave up all plans for a real job and real career in search of the next challenge. For the next year, 1979, Schwamm ran in all the ultras that she could find in the West, at least one per month. In early May, she thought she broke the American 100-kilometer record in Yakima, Washington by nearly 20 minutes, but later it was discovered that on the same day, a few hours earlier, Sue Ellen Trapp had run at 100K a few minutes faster in Connecticut. That would not be the last time they competed for records. They never raced head-to-head -head against each other, but were very aware of the juggling of American records taking place. While living in San Francisco, Schwab got to know ultra legend Don Choi, who had ran about 20 ultras by 1979. They became frequent training partners and at times would run at the Polo Grounds track, sunrise to sundown for nine hours. She said about those loopy runs, I have to admit that I was losing my mind there for a while. I was a real basket case. They would often run 140 mile weeks. 
In May 1979, Choi put on the first modern era 48-hour race at a track in Woodside, California. Schwann competed in this historic race and was interested in going after the long-standing 24-hour world record of 106 miles. 20 runners competed on the track. She did not get the 24-hour record, but did set the first women's world 48-hour best of 137 miles. A few months later in August, Choi put on another 48-hour race on the same Woodside track. Schwamm was the overall winner for the 24-hour race, setting a women's world record of 113 miles. She then continued on to reach 146 miles in 48 hours for another record. While in California, Schwamm started to run on trails. She discovered that running on trails was easier on her body. But Schwamm still preferred to race on roads and tracks. I enjoyed the security of a track, knowing where you were all the time. Even on the roads, I preferred shorter loops, a mile or two, rather than longer loops. In 1980, Schwamm moved back to New York and took a job as a construction worker, employed working on buildings in Lower Manhattan. She worked waterproofing buildings, caulking windows while up on scaffolding as high as 50 stories up. This job gave her time to run between 80 and 100 miles per week. In September 1980, Schwann competed internationally for the first time. She was invited to compete in Santander, Spain on a hilly 100-kilometer course. She was eager to run against European women, but few were running ultras there, and she was the only woman in the race. She finished 13th overall with 8 hours and 24 minutes, lowering the 100k road record. Late in 1980, a 24-hour race to be held on the East Coast was canceled. The Sri Chinmoy Marathon team quickly, within one week, put together a replacement race. They found an old abandoned cinder track behind the city hall at Greenwich, Connecticut, which they raked, cleaned, and measured. Six runners, including Schwamm, started this chilly race. Schwamm took the overall lead and took only one brief pause during the first 50 miles. Along the way, she broke the track world records for 50 miles and 100 kilometers. As we got into the darkness, it was getting tough. At 75 miles, I had to make a decision about whether to concentrate on the 24 hours or throw what I had left into getting a good 100 mile time. I was in a great position to break 16 hours. She slogged on into the chilly night and smashed the 100-mile best set by Natalie Cullimore in Rockland, California back in 1971 of 16 hours and 11 minutes. Schwamm's time was 15 hours 44 minutes. She had lapped every man in the race more than 80 times. She stopped at the 100 miles in great pain with no desire to go after the 24-hour record of 123 miles. I tried walking with blankets around me, just trying to move around the track, but it was nothing I could control. My whole body was one big spasm. I never hurt so much in my life. Over the last eight hours, she only covered about 11 miles for a total of 111 miles. With her three world records, she was named by Runner's World as the best female ultramarathoner of 1980. For race preparation, Schwamm wouldn't eat much the day before our race. 
She would eat a light breakfast and drink a lot of coffee during the day. She liked to feel lighter and usually was too nervous to eat anyway. She would taper down her miles training leading up to the race, but usually ran every day, even on the day before a race. Despite her wins and records, Schwamm didn't get a lot of recognition for her accomplishments outside of her local ultra community. I'm still pretty much unknown. I am not very good at self-promotion. I do what I'm doing because I like it. I'm proud of my results, but I don't even keep the trophies I win. I have no need for them. The Lake Waramog 50-mile and 100-kilometer race in Connecticut started in 1974. The course was fast on a 7.59-mile paved loop road around the lake. Runners ran 50 miles and then could decide if they also wanted to continue on to finish the 100k race. For many years, it was the unofficial national championship for the 100k distance. In 1981, Schwamm focused on running the 50-miler there, hoping to break the world record of 6 hours and 12 minutes. One of England's premier female ultra-runners, Leslie Watson, the reigning champion of London to Brighton, came over to compete. The race between the two turned out to be classic. Schwamm felt very confident and ready for the May 1981 race. She started fast and decided to go for broke, while her British rival paced more conservatively. It was reported, Schwamm roared through the marathon mark in 3.04, opening an almost a mile gap at that point, and hit the 50k mark in 3.39. She became only the fourth woman to ever break 3.40. Unfortunately, she developed severe blisters and slowed. Watson passed her by mile 40 and went on to claim a new world record of 6.02. Schwamm finished in 6.13. That race was one of the biggest crushes of my career. I had no doubt I could break six hours, and being stopped by blisters was very disappointing. In 1980, the six-day race returned to America after being away since the very early 1900s. Ed Dodd, a math teacher from New Jersey, started the Edward Payson Weston Six-Day Race on a cinder track in Pensacon, New Jersey. Schwamm decided to give the Six-Day Race a try and entered the 1981 event. She hoped to reach at least 400 miles. Thirteen runners started, all who had finished at least a 100-miler. She was the first woman in the modern era to run a Six-Day Race. Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight. Conditions started out warm. It got up to 85 degrees on the first day. Schwamm led the race overall for the first 70 miles before she took a sleeping break, and then her friend Choi went ahead. She was hampered by a sore Achilles tendon for the last two days and struggled in the hot summer sun every day. During the night, she would hallucinate and see things coming out of the puddles. But she still reached 384 miles for second place overall. Since she was the first woman to compete in the six-day race in the modern era, her 384 miles was also a modern-day record. Race director Ed Dodd said, What she did was just incredible. I don't think there has ever been a six-day race that had worse conditions, but Marcy kept charging ahead. I'm not sure I've ever seen any ultra-runner tougher than her. 
September 1981, Schwamm went to run the 100K race in Spain again. She had her eye on being the first American woman to break eight hours. Sue Ellen Trapp held the current American record of eight hours, five minutes. Schwamm described the rural Spanish venue. I would run up into the hills along the course into villages where the people don't even have electricity. There were kids sitting on the stoops of their barns with no shoes on and they had a list of the competitors and when they saw your number, they'd yell out your name because I was the only woman. It was like there was this major thing going on. These little kids would run into the house and bring their parents out to see the woman who was running 100 kilometers. She became the first American woman to ever run 100K in less than eight hours. She finished in an incredible seven hours, 47 minutes. It was one of her finest running accomplishments. She finished third overall with the men in this premier 100K international race. Some Italian men wanted to get her drug tested because they were in disbelief that a woman could run that fast and beat them. Ultra Running Magazine described her accomplishment as a, quote, landmark performance for the ages. She held this American record until Ann Trayson broke it in 1988. In 1982, Schwamm quit her high-wire construction job because she said she was becoming too chicken to do it. She moved to Wellesley Hills, Massachusetts. She first worked for Nike, but later quit that job when they passed her up for a promotion, and then worked for Kangaroo Shoes as a promotional representative. Kangaroo's Super Shoes With these jobs, she was able to set her own schedule and trained as much as 120 to 140 miles per week. She explained that she liked to run because of the challenge of running. When you find something you're good at, you tend to pursue it a little harder. Everybody likes to be the best at something. I like the loneliness of running. Elite American ultra runners of the 1980s flocked to the American Medical Joggers Association Ultras, or AMJA for short, to compete each year for 50 miles or 100K. This race was in Chicago through a park and along Lake Michigan shoreline. It became one of the largest ultras in the country. The course was flat as a pancake and gave spectacular views of Lake Michigan and the Chicago skyline. For several years, including 1982, it was the Roadrunners Club of America National Championships. World and American records were set in this race held yearly. In 1982, Schwamm cut back on her usual heavy ultra race schedule to concentrate training for the AMJA 50 mile championship. She had a lofty goal to be the first female to break six hours for 50 miles. Nick Marshall observed that Marcy was cool and confident a couple days before the race. Her whole attitude was an upbeat one. She believed that even if she fouled up and didn't make it at this race, she would get it at another. Her 50-mile personal best up to that point was 6 hours 13 minutes, and the world record was still held by Leslie Watson at 6 hours 2 minutes. On race day, with 273 starters, Marcy attacked the lakefront circuit from the gun. As she was running, they sent a guy out on a bicycle to keep everyone out of her way. She reached the marathon mark in an astonishing 2 hours 53 minutes, and then settled down and slowed a bit. By mile 30, she had to walk briefly before mile 40. She refused to let her goal slip away. 
With 9.5 miles left, she had 75 minutes before the six-hour barrier. Those last miles were tough, but Marcy had been so close to the record before that she couldn't falter yet again. With three miles to go, she kicked up the pace, dodging bicycles, and finished in five hours, 59 minutes, and 26 seconds a new world record. Being the first female to break six hours for 50 miles is probably the thing I'm most proud of. For 1981 and 1982, Schwamm was named the Ultra Magazine's Female Ultra Runner of the Year. She continued to compete well in marathons. She had a goal to qualify for the 1984 Olympic marathon trials. She set her sights on posting a qualifying time at the 1983 Cleveland Marathon. She really struggled. It was so cold. My stomach muscles cramped up. I threw up twice, once at 19 miles. And again, just after the finish, I was so embarrassed. She wanted to drop out at mile 19, but then looked at her watch and realized that she still had a shot for a qualifying time of 2 hours 51 minutes. I was very close to bagging it, but I knew, being an ultra-marathoner, that I would start to feel better after 20 miles when everybody else is starting to come apart. She took the women's lead at mile 23 and went on to win in 2 hours 48 minutes, just 24 seconds off her best marathon time set the previous year at the New York City Marathon. In 1983, Dan Brannon founded the first multi-day indoor race in more than 50 years. It was held in a dank, damp college field house at Haverford, Pennsylvania, on a 251-yard, seven laps to a mile, oiled dirt track. <laughs> it was a rather miserable place to run for two days. A unique aroma grew stronger as the race progressed, a mixture of oily dust and sweaty runners. The odor would stay in the field house for days. The inside temperature was always around 40 to 50 degrees. Runners would bring records and tapes that were blasted from a stereo on a rickety table on one corner of the track. Despite its challenges, it was the site where modern-day American 48-hour records were set. Schwamm, aged 30 in 1984, went to Haverford to run. The track had not been adequately prepared, and some uneven patches contributed to inflammation in her foot, and she eventually developed a small stress fracture in her foot during the race. She walked for a long time, reached 50 miles in 11 hours, but finally dropped out at 89 miles. Everyone's spirits sagged when she withdrew from the race during the second day. She returned the following year. The miserable track surface had been replaced by an all-rubber surface. With just a few hours to go in the race, Gary Cantrell observed, Thus the sun rose on a miserable band. A testament to the strength of the field was virtually all the runners had made the 48 hours with no extended breaks. However, this left them visibly worn. No human can look worse after two days of near-continual pain while almost totally without sleep. Schwamm succeeded this time. She won among the women, running 187.8 miles, setting an American 48-hour record. 
In May 1984, Schwamm achieved one of her goals. She ran in the very first Olympic marathon trials for women in Olympia, Washington. She placed 181st with three hours and three minutes. Also in 1984, Schwamm ran the famed Spartathlon, 153 miles from Athens to Sparta in Greece. She ran much of the race with two other women from the U.S. One of the runners said, quote, Marcy kept our spirits up with stories and encouragement of all kinds. They ran in the back of the pack, the last to finish, but also the first women finishers. After 1984, at age 32, Schwamm's highly competitive ultra-running career started to wind down. Her marathon speed remained, and she continued to crack the three-hour mark. After 1988, she left ultra-running races for a while. From 1990 to 1995, Schwamm lived in Stockholm, Sweden, working for Federal Express. There she pursued other athletic passions, such as skiing and skating. No, she did not just twirl around on the ice in a rink. She would at times skate 50 miles point to point. When the ice melted, she would take part in trail races. She moved back to Massachusetts in 1995 working for Kinkos and became involved with race directing. In 1999, at the age of 46, she returned to ultra running and ran Vermont 50, which became a favorite race. She said she did not compete anymore, but participated. At age 54, she finished with a solid time of 10 hours, 3 minutes. She loved running on trails. Schwamm was inducted into the American Ultra Running Association Hall of Fame in 2005, recognizing her pioneer efforts for women in ultra running, along with her amazing running accomplishments. She had knee surgery, but was determined to not let that slow her down. She took up snowshoeing races, which she became very involved in for many years. She continued to find job opportunities to keep her close to the endurance sports. In 2006, she was Reebok's director of global walking. In 2007, she said, Trails came after speed was no longer a real pursuit. I love the woods. And trails were still something new, just another adventure. Her last ultra was run in 2014. She said in 2020, I've been running for well over 50 years. I have a knee that bit the dust. My mind and endurance still want to do long races, but the knee wouldn't let me. I love mountain racing and snowshoe races. Short trail races now satisfy my competitiveness, even if only against myself. In 2020, Marcy Schwamm was 67 and lived in Marblehead, Massachusetts. She was a member of Acidotic Racing, a nationally recognized trail running team sponsored by Sacconi, and was vice president of the World Snowshoe Racing Federation. Marcy Schwamm was truly an ultra running legend and an inspiration for everyone. You can be the hero, you can get the gold Breaking all the records they thought never could be broke Do it for your people, do it for your pride How you ever know if you never even try Do it for your country, do it for your name Cause there's gonna be a day You'll be on the wall.
With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances. <laughs>